Good evening, everybody. Um, I'd like to welcome everybody to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group to prepare for the Big Book Study. Let's get focused, and we'll do that by having a three-minute uh, moment of uh, monk serenaded meditation. We'll follow that with a fog light prayer. Oh, I don't even know where Quite we are. Here, Good evening, everyone. I'll find it. Okay. <laughs> I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is still Doc. And I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is still Mike Chase E. Hi, Mike Chase E. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to start the meditation in a minute. In a minute so please take a moment to get situated. Uh, turn off any devices that will make noise or distract others for the duration of the meeting. We have a few couple people here. You guys can turn those things off unless you're using them to stream. Uh, the coffee area. Let's see. Also refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly Getting up and sitting back down. Let's take this thing serious. You got some. Uh, this is do you have some Zoom area. meeting <laughs> etiquette you want to run by us real quick? Yes, that it's been suggested to us, and we think it's a good idea to think of Zoom meetings as real meetings, so that you actually attend with both your mind and your heart. So that would mean actually putting on clothes, actually sitting in a seat, not lying in bed half naked, but. Attending the meeting and possibly even visualizing that your grand sponsor is seated next to you. I got my sponsor. He's tougher. This is my grand sponsor. Yeah. Um, Tell me. For meditation, some suggestions are let's focus on your breath and posture. Sit up straight. The more uncomfortable you are, the better chance of a good meditation you are so you don't fall into nap time. Uh, some ideas are breathing God, 
breathe out south, breathe out fear. And we're going to do that for three whole minutes. Why do we do this? Take this time to get reconnected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away. And ask God to help you focus on this study. So on come the monks. We'll see you guys in two, no, it's two minutes. No, it's three minutes tonight. Excellent. Yeah, we'll see you guys in three minutes. Enjoy your time with God. prayer if you don't know it just follow along god, god let your love, love shine, shine through, through me like, like a fog light so those who are lost sick and dying can find your love through me and we have our regulated uh, secretary going to come up and give us a secretary's report and that would be chris hey chris how's it going just a quick idea um we have some support staff some people here some members home group members that are about 15 feet away from us, and they're all wearing masks. So we're just not wearing masks here. And they're in dog cages. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. uh, In keeping with the seventh tradition, please donate to your local intergroup. And the seventh tradition, for those that don't know, every group shall be fully self-supporting. Turn it down a bit. Declining outside contributions. I have asked Joey to come up here and read the recovered statement. The recovered statement is read to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering, and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Please join me in welcoming Joey. Hi, Joey. Thank you, Chris. I am Joey, recovered alcoholic. Hi, Joey. 
Recovered, we are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured, that presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime, but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcohol, alcoholic centers in the mind rather than the body. Page 23. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Joey. Nineteen forties, nineteen forties style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, fifty percent got sober at once and remained that way. Twenty-five percent sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to His loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. If you want one of those, uh, we'll spray it with bleach and send it out to you, alcoholicsandgod.org. We meet every Monday promptly at 7.15 p.m. We ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery saxophone. Thank you. Did you want me to read? Nope, we got a, we got a, we got a reader today. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Um, from the four to the first edition of the book, Alcoholics, you can take those plastic things out of there. No one's going to use them anymore, come to think of it. There you go. Uh, from the four to the first edition of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show others precisely how we have recovered is the purpose of this book and of this group. From there is a solution... Also from the big book, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting. As such, those who have, alcohol, have interest in alcoholism in our program, am I on? <laughs> Thanks. This is an opening. As such, all who have an interest in alcoholism or program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open meeting, you need not identify yourself nor your reason for being here. If you do not wish to do so, your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect ours. And on the Zooms and on those types of things, you don't have to show your face. You don't have to use your full name. You can join, have a Zoom account and just use your first name and initials if you want to keep anonymity. So, anonymity, right? <laughs> well, you're... A newcomer. We'll give you time to learn Thanks. that word. Anonymity. We're gonna. We can't show hands of people joining for the first time, but you can certainly make yourself known. And also, recovered alcoholics. Uh, this, while this is an open meeting, membership in this group is limited to those who wish to recover from alcoholism and have a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. So since we're not doing seventh tradition tonight, do we mention the fact that any contributions that normally would have gone to a group or your home group or any other group, she should search out your local intergroup office and send them a check. They definitely could use the money. They're not selling as much as they probably used to, and they have expenses of rent, 
um, utilities, and a couple um, payrolls. So let's keep an eye. Let's keep supporting those folks. Uh, before we begin our study of the Big Book, last week we finished up a 12-week tradition with Tanisha. Round of applause. The crowd goes wild. Yeah, she was great. She was great. Uh, tonight, let's take a quick review of a new tradition series we have, Bill. He's going to be joining us for the next three months. Looking forward to that. Uh, please refer to the unabridged book to page 562. And in the little abridged, the book is 177. Let's bring up Bill for his first night of traditions. All right, Bill. And we'll give him a round of applause. Uncle Bill. <clears throat> Thanks. Hi, Bill. No applause. Throw money. Uh, hi, my name is Bill. I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic, hey, and I'll be doing your traditions. Uh, tonight we're doing tradition one, which in my book, which is the fourth edition, is uh, page 562. And it reads, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on AA. And the long version says, each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is but a small part of a great whole. AA must continue to, le- to live or most of us will surely die. Hence, our common welfare comes first. But individual welfare follows close afterward. You know, we're going to talk about unity, AA unity, but why do we even talk about traditions? Maybe we should take a look at that, especially if we're talking about unity, because without unity we don't have a fellowship. Um, back as far as, as the first edition... In the forward to the first edition, they, they talked about the need for this. In fact, in the preface, uh, it even talks about it. It says, there are no fees or dues whatsoever. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. We are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination, nor do we oppose anyone. We simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. This is, that was in 1939. Uh, the traditions weren't accepted until 1950 by the entire fellowship. Uh, what, what was going on in 1939 is uh, Bill and Bob, uh, or excuse me, in 1935, Bill and Bob met for the first time, and in the four years that, that followed, uh, the, the uh, uh, fellowship grew tremendously. So by 1939, when the first edition was put out, uh, they had four years of experience of, of alcoholics trying to get sober in AA. Um, you know, back then, th- these, weren't, these weren't kids whose parents caught them drinking once and found marijuana in their sock drawer uh, and decided to send them to Florida for a few months. <laughs> these, these, were, these were low-bottom, hardcore, real alcoholics, and they were desperate for a solution. And so... Uh, when they came together, they really wanted to know what the solution was. How do they fix their problem? Um, the uh, by nineteen by nineteen fifty fifty five, when the second edition came out, uh, they had a little more experience with it, and they they were talking about our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. The test that it faced was this. Could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? Would there be quarrels over membership, leadership, and money? Would there be striving for power, prestige? Would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Soon AA was beset by all these very problems on every side and in every group. But out of this frightening and first disruptive experience, uh, the 
the conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. We had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. The AA unity requires that we put the, the fellowship first. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, dichotomies in AA, as you'll learn as you, as you experience it, that we have unity versus individuality. Does that mean that we all have to come in here and become automatons, robots, and just you know, drink the Kool-Aid? Uh, no, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, uh, the, the purpose of this fellowship is to help us to become the person God intended us to be, and we're all individuals. But if, but uh, so that so then, what happens if you have a bunch of individuals running around doing whatever they please, uh, especially when you got a bunch of alcoholics uh, who are self-centered and and uh, very assertive about their own opinions? I know when I came in, I had all the answers, but I couldn't find my butt with both hands, and so I I had to I had to admit to myself. That I needed something that you guys had to offer. And I had to quiet me down a little bit so I could learn what you had to offer so that I could change my life. So there's the question of unity versus individuality. And then there's the question of individuality versus anarchy. So the, the thing that, that uh, brings us together is the principles of this program and the dire need for this recovery. And, and the program, the principles of the program are the path to recovery. That's what, that's what allows me to quiet myself and, and commit myself to this fellowship because I know that I can't do it alone and I need you guys around me. And if there's no fellowship for me, I'm, I'm left on my own. Uh, the... the center of this whole thing is conforming to the to the principles uh, I think a, a good example of that is the transition that occurs in steps six and seven as I understand them in step six we're trying to do we're, we're, we're up to that point we are we're running from pain and in and in step seven we are running towards power and there's a transition there, and that's the transition that had to occur in my, hand, my head in order to fully commit to this fellowship and to the unity of this fellowship. I had to admit to myself that I alone couldn't find the answer, and that maybe you guys, the individuals in this, in this organization, don't have any more answers than I do, but the principles of the program that we're all trying to pursue Therein lies the answer. So we have that common bond, that common need. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks, Bill. Test there. Hey, thanks, Bill. Thank you very much. Um, if we had applause, we could go. Crowd goes wild now. Just imagine that was great, Bill. You want to have a seat because you're going to be our reader tonight, and you're also going to join in on conversation with us tonight. Please. I really think that this uh, meeting needs an applause machine. I'll get one. Well, if we had more than four people in the back, we could do that, couldn't we? I feel really ignored. <clears throat> I know. I'm so tempted to bring one, but you know how I love my gadgets. Not going to do that. Going to stay true to the thing. Um, thanks. In order for us to stay focused, especially me and him, apparently, uh, as we study the big book, we use the big book study guide, which was prepared. Oh, there's our phone number. Which Could you grab that? Which was prepared by Krusty Cliff with yeah, a lot of help of Joe and Charlie. Of the Dallas oh, Primary Purpose geez. Group. A little history about that. Uh, 
Cliff had been to one of the Joe and Charlie seminars, and he really loved that thing, and he said, why do I have to wait another year for this? Why can't we have big book studies year-round? So they got together with, with Krusty Cliff, Joe and Charlie, and they put together the, the workbook, which is what we work out of today to try and have a, a, a year-and-a-half-long big book seminar. And it's pretty simple stuff. Yeah. So tonight we got... Simple but potent. Yeah, Bill's going to be our reader. Uh, tonight we're going to start our reading on page 37. The actual questions are going to start on 39-ish. Um, after the page is read, we are going to ask questions from the podium. And then we're going to start at the top of page 39, I believe. The answers will be one sentence unless otherwise specified. And multi-part questions are simply one sentence split up by commas, semicolas, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. This is important. No, wait, am I, I on basically in English? Yeah. Basically on? in English, what that means is that we're going to read the material once through and then re-dissect the information a second time through the question and answer format. Notice how the language in the questions gives us a new light in which to consider the study material. And this is important because hearing the question and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material covered. After we've completed the page, we open up for comments, questions, observations. By the way, if you want to, at the appropriate time, we do have a, a telephone number which will be posted for you guys to call. And we ask that you, how far along are you in recovery for that question and answer period? We're suggesting 90 days in recovery. And I notice here that it says that your questions, comments, and observations should be in all caps based on what was just read. Yeah, not, not, not going rabbit hole. As it was written. <clears throat> Yeah, if you have uh, spiritual, if you have spiritual experience with this information, you're free to share. And if you're not, we suggest you have some questions. Maybe in the comments, you can type a question in there. Uh, talk to your sponsor. Everybody's welcome. Yeah, we're not experts. We're just bringing our aspect to life. But feel free to share if you have experience with that. However, big book study is not therapy. Should you begin sharing about topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different, i.e., sponsorship setting? Please do not be offended when we cut that conversation short. For that purpose, we have fellowship meetings before and after our study time. And that will be done off camera. Cool. You can never go wrong by commenting on the page, right? Which brings us to the words of one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sobriety, freedom from alcohol through the teachings and practices of the 12 steps is the sole purpose of an Alcoholics Anonymous group. What does that say? You can never go wrong by commenting on the page, which brings us to the words of one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill W., by the way, sobriety, freedom from alcohol, through the teaching and practice of the 12 steps, is the sole purpose of any Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Right. So we are, I believe, as I, I think it's our 28th, 29th session. We started uh, taking out a couple weeks here and there for power failures and the whatnot 30 weeks ago on page zero. We started the forewords. Because we feel it's very important for if you're going to well, to know our history and to get an idea. But when I start working with you guys, I always start in the forwards. Because if we're asking somebody to join a way of life, change the way of life, and become a member of this group, it's important for them to know what it is. So the forwards contain some history. Uh, second, second, uh, second edition even cleans up some misconceptions that they've had about it us for a little It has while. everything you need everything to, to get understand. sober in the forwards. It does. It yeah. helps. Yeah, Everything you need is there. But if you're not, if you don't really understand what alcoholism is, we have a chapter called The Doctor's Opinion. 
which is an opinion from a doctor. Mainly because uh, we have a non-alcoholic who is a professional who had treated tens of thousands of alcoholics and drug addicts, and he wrote down what his experience with working with them was and the enlightenment that uh, Bill Wilson brought into his uh, uh, wing of the hospital. Speaking of Bill W., we have a chapter, uh, Bill story, which brings the forwards and the doctor's opinions to life so we can start to relate, we can start to see what alcoholism looks like, how it progresses, and how a solution is introduced, and how they push back, and how he finally gave in and changed his life, and lived, uh, lived happy, sober for the rest of his life. And uh, this, the whole solution thing is sort of touched on in Bill's story, but it needed to be go more in-depth, and we have a chapter called... Boy, thank God that... Uh, they wrote it down. And you thank God they wrote it down, but thank God they wrote that there is a solution right after Bill's story, that they don't wait till the end of the book to spring it on us. <laughs> that we, that, you know, that we're, we're, we're told right away... Hold on, there, there's a solution to all of this. Yeah. And nowhere in this book, does it, the solution is not don't drink. Right? Nowhere in the book does it, says don't, does it say don't drink. Most but popular we, book ever written about how not to drink doesn't say don't drink. Which is ironic because now we're in the chapter called yeah, More About right, Alcohol, right. which is about <laughs> what happens when you do not not drink. Right. With knowledge and fear and, and all the fortitude to get through with it. And you try to not drink. You still drink. <laughs> you still drink. You must so we, drink. We, we had an opportunity to find you know, that, uh, how um, you know, we, all we wish and all we want, that's not going to help us stay sober if you're a real alcoholic. We see some different types of some ideas. We see... Uh, Jim, who's an, who's an everyday type of guy, little, little, has some interesting aspects to his life, cannot stay sober because he himself balked at the idea of doing a step process, balked at a relationship with God, and balked at work with others. Never know if he ever got sober at the end, do we? No. And All we, we know get, is he didn't enlarge his spiritual life. So what they do is they're trying to make this book relate to non-alcoholics at times. So they think if they were to rate if they were able to relate jaywalking to alcoholism, perhaps the, the non-alcoholic would understand the thrill and the excitement that they get out of jaywalking is what we get out of drinking. So we, we, we covered that a little bit. We're going to start reading there today, and then we're going to get into Fred's story, which I like Fred. He's cool. Fred always reminds me of, uh, who's the, the odd couple? Felix. He reminds me of Felix. He Unger. is a Felix. He's a Felix Unger, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> Until he's in the backseat of a cab after three days in, a, in New yeah. York City. Then he's an Oscar. <laughs> so we're going to have Bill start reading um, top of page 37. And we've just come out of Jim's story and the insanity of him picking up, even though he had all this excuses and all this reasons and all this determination not to drink. And we're going to pick up at 37 with what I like to call the untreated mind box. Hi, Bill. You want whatever? Yes. I, I think we should read the squiggly writing at the bottom, if you don't mind. At the bottom, previous page? Yeah, you're talking about Jim. And, and Jim had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor <clears throat> of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. Whatever the pre precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? You may think this an extreme case. To us it is not far-fetched, for this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences, but there was always the curious mental phenomenon 
that paralleled with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. The insane idea won out. Next day, we would ask ourselves, in all earnestness and sincerity, how it could have happened. In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. Our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as that of an individual, individual with a passion uh, for, say, jaywalking. He gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of a friendly warnings. Up to this point, you would label him as a foolish chap, having queer ideas about fun. Luck then deserts him, and he is slightly injured several times in succession. You would expect him, if he were normal, to cut it out. Presently, he hit again, he's hit again, and this time has a fractured skull. Within a week after leaving the hospital, a fast-moving trolley car breaks his arm. He tells you he has decided to stop jaywalking for good, but in a few weeks, he breaks both legs. On through the years, this conduct continues, accompanied by his continual promises to be careful and to keep off the streets altogether. Finally, he can no longer work, his wife gets a divorce, and he is held up to ridicule. He tries everything, every known means to get the jaywalking idea out of his head. He, he shuts himself up in an asylum, hoping to mend his ways. But the day he comes out, he races in front of a fire engine, which breaks his back. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? Mm -hmm. You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We, we who have been through the ringer have to admit that if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. However intelligent we may have been in other respects, where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? Can you read that sentence one more time again? It's strong language, but isn't it true? Some of you were thinking, yes, what, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well what you have told us that ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. This is where the study is going to start. So if you haven't paying attention, pay attention definitely now. Yeah, that's kind of like the thank you very much. Yeah. You, uh, you. Uh, that may be true of certain non-alcoholic people who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. 
But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Read that one again, too. I love that one. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good, but he has a fine home, is happily married, and the father of promising children of college age. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual, yet he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. It was, it was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so, in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we, had, what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive that, his, that this humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired, would keep him sober for the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. Not. We heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time he was quite shaking. He, he, stood, he soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told us is most instructive, for here was a chap obvious, absolutely convinced that he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment and determination in all his other concerns, yet was flat on his back nevertheless. Let, it, let him tell you about it. I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity which preceded the first drink, but I was confident it could not happen to me after, I, after what I had learned. I reasoned that I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and that I would therefore be successful where you men fail. I felt I had every right to be self-confident, that it would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks, and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. One day I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell, so there was nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. 
I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner and go back to the hospital. Oh, no, no, wait, that's, that's doesn't say that. <laughs> he didn't think that. Yeah. That was all. Nothing more. I ordered a cocktail and my meal. Then I ordered another cocktail. After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me that a highball would be a fine Sounds would be like fine before going to bed. So I stepped into the bar and had one. I remember having several more that night and plenty next morning. I have a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and finding a friendly cab, taxi cab driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said or did. Then came the hospital with unbearable mental and physical suffering. So we're going to pause there because that switches into a new gear. This covered his inability to stop, even though we had all types of reasons to start. So we're actually going to start our questions at the bottom of page 33, uh, 38. I'm sorry, everybody wants to turn to page 38. We'll give you a minute to switch on over. Luckily, we got <coughs> see all of you flipping over. That's so nice. Um, First question. What do some alcoholics think? You get to answer these. Oh, yes. Bottom of 38. And I am down here. So some of you are thinking, because I'm a mind reader, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply Since we, to me. <laughs> Since we have done a good job of explaining alcoholism and they are full of self-knowledge, are they confident that they can manage a decision to stay sober? Rest of the... Oh, my God, you got a whole paragraph to finish off again. Well, we admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us, such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking. I didn't have anything to this. And we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. Yeah, and of course, they're relating to the concept of using the jaywalker to alcoholism. And if you base your alcoholism on consequences or, or the, the, your station in life, you might have a misdiagnosis. We're going to find out how we diagnose it a little bit later on. Well, my dad is one of those guys. To, to solve a problem, you identify the problem. That's it. Once it's identified, it's 50% fixed. That's not for us, man. Didn't not for work, us. Did not work for me. <laughs> so we're going to go to uh, the next paragraph, then we'll open up for some comments. Next question, next paragraph, because we'd like to mix some of the paragraphs that marry to each other. So the first question is, who can stay sober based on self-knowledge? Non-alcoholics. Oh, I'm sorry, out of the book. Well, we, I got it. That may be true for certain. Oh, really? Because it goes down. Okay, because I was that seeing maybe. what the actual answer was. Uh, that okay. may be true of certain non-alcoholic people, normies, who, uh, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. 
They may look like us, but they ain't real elk is what we're referring to. No, that's right. And, and you know, just... Bill, feel free to jump in wherever you feel like it, too. You're part of this tonight. Oh, well, I thought he was just answering the questions. Yeah, but you can throw it in every once in a while. Okay. Go for it. I was going to say, we, you know, just because someone wants to get drunk doesn't make them an alcoholic. No. They can want to get drunk for 30 days in a row, you know? It doesn't make them an alcoholic. That's why we say, you know, be, be a little careful of diagnosing others. All right. <laughs> what point do we want to drive home to the alcoholic? The actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be in italics, absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Comment. As we study Fred's story again, look for the similarities. Um, what point do we... Oh, did you want to read that whole thing? You did. Mm-hmm. Then you ask at what point, right? And I say, yeah. this is a point. Yeah, but read the whole paragraph. I'm oh, sorry. This is a point that should be underlined highlighted and footnoted in your big book that we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. So we're going to bring that to life, but if anybody has anything to share That's on this a particular area... Sentence. Yeah, I love this part. This is... this. They realize that not all people reading this book are going to be real alcoholics of the variety of Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. They may suffer from the phenomenon of, have you met my family? There's no way I'm going home sober. They live in a town where all people do is drink, but if a certain... We, we learned about the three types of drinkers, the medium, the heavy heart... Massachusetts. And the, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> You're from there, Bill, aren't you? No, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, oh. oh. Close enough. <laughs> they do a little drinking in Philly. So we're not trying, through the Book of Alcoholics and the program, we're not trying to trick people into membership. We're not trying to trick people to be alcoholics. We're giving everybody these off-ramps. I I can quit on my own self-knowledge. And we're going to get into Jim's, or Fred, who this is an interesting story about, touching a little bit before Fred. This is Fred's first into the grooms, we would say. He's he's never really been a big, heavy drinker, but he's never been put in a position to have to consider his drinking as a problem. He's but never been called alcoholic. Doesn't self-knowledge mean if you show me what I'm doing wrong, I won't do it anymore, right? Yes. I, I will gain control through right. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Tell me tell me that I, I should be starting with my left foot instead of my right foot, and I'll, I'll do that, and everything will be fine. But like you said earlier, Doc, uh, you know, it doesn't say in here, don't drink alcohol. It never says that. It just says, this is what it was like for us. This is what happened to me. And he gives a lot of examples, you know, through Fred and, and the Jay Walker and, you know, whoever, the other guys. Um, yeah, we hear that in meetings. And, and it's like, if this is your experience and you don't like it, you don't, you don't like waking up in jails and gutters <laughs> and stuff like that. Your own vomit. Yeah, your own vomit. You might want to do what we did, which is, exactly, which is exactly what Fred says over here. He says, you know, hey, listen, you know, I understand you guys you know, have this problem, and I, I, thanks for telling me about it, but I don't have your problem, so I don't need your solution. Right, I didn't lose everything, and I'm not about it. Well, he never took step one, so he never needed to take step two. Which is why we have doctor's opinion in front of there is a solution. Because we have to find out what alcoholism is. 
right. before we bother with a solution. Right. If you can quit on a non-spiritual basis, i.e. knowledge, fear, threats, you're not one of us yet, perhaps. Maybe a little bit later on. Yeah, we only have three weapons. Self-will, self-knowledge, and fear. And if they don't work, <laughs> you're SOL, pal. All right. Right, where are you going to go? Oh, we have a call in. Come on up and uh, let's try this out. Hello, Philadelphia. You're on the air. Now, just a minute, Scott. Is that good? He's on number seven. You can jack it up. We just let's test it. Let's hold on a minute there. Is it going to work? Bear with us. We're a work in process. Turn your volume up and let's go. Talk. Okay, now you can talk. You're good, Scott. Okay. Yeah, now we go. Here you go. Okay. Well, I was saying was that I just want to relate with the idea that um, self-knowledge didn't get me anywhere. My last relapse was quite a few years ago when it happened. I know that I have been in the rooms for a number of months. I thought that I, I knew what was going on with my alcoholism. I felt like I was in a position where I where it was unthinkable that I would drink. And so I put myself in a situation which even today is just scaring me to be in that situation. Um, and I know this is being there. But I thought that because of what I learned in the rooms, I would be fine. The fortunate thing is that it drove home to me that I'm a real alcoholic and not a hard drinker. You know, we, we talk about the definitions of a, of a moderate drinker, a hard drinker, and an alcoholic on page 21, 22, 21. And there was a part of me that sort of wondered if I was the hard drinker or if I was the alcoholic. But at that moment, when I went into thinking that I was going to be sober and I was just going to um, going to hang out with this woman, no big deal, and she would drink, and I would be fine. And I wound up, you know, drinking tremendously heavily, getting to the point where I was thinking about suicide again, and, you know, desperate again. Within hours, it drove home to me that I'm the real alcoholic. And I think that goes back to where Bill says that if we Thank you so much. Wow, that was successful. Thank you so much on that. I'll just keep this up here. He was from where? Um, Away. I know his home group's in Delray. Oh, his home group's in Delray. Good. He was from, he was from uh, uh, Court County, Ireland. So as we go through, through Fred's story, try to remember if you're you know, the real addict, the alcoholic, that, that first detox that first um, 
not not so much the DWI because maybe you didn't do the AA type stuff, but maybe that was like maybe you did end up going to to your first AA meeting. And and I, I like to liken you know Fred's stories when I first my first AA meeting was like I'm looking around you guys and I'm and they're telling me all their war stories and and how much they've lost and all these consequences. You know, I still had a car, I still had a job, I still had a house, I still had all these things. And I and I that whole thought about AA is great for you guys. But, you know, I never at that point tried to quit on my own. I never tried to stop. I just got put into AA and then it's like, so then I tried quitting on my own and it didn't work. So I would look at the meeting and I'd hear all you guys and I'd think, yeah, this is great for you guys, but, you know, you don't get it. I can handle this because I had never tried not to not drink. I had the opposite experience with the same result. I had I, w- I was a pothead, so I had nothing to lose. Right, I had no no family, no no money, no you know my car was a beat up, exploding, you know when you started it up, backfiring thing, right? Mm. And and but I desperately wanted to be completely sober, to be free of all this stuff, and I couldn't get down to that last bit. And when I showed up at my first meeting, they were talking about jobs and girlfriends and other BS, and I thought. This can't be an AA. This this must not, I must be in the wrong place because nobody's mentioned alcohol yet yeah. in the first forty minutes of this meeting. And I thought I'm not going to fit in with these people. I'm never going to get it. I might as well not come back. And then the miracle happened because they were ninety minute meetings in those days, oh. right? Oh, that's well, we're going to go run to that long tonight too. Anything this year on this bill? Well, I was just thinking that you know, um, I was more like Fred. You know, I hadn't lost everything like you, Doc. Uh, but I did have, I mean, I had a house. I had, you know, a car, job, you know, women, what have you. Uh, but I was miserable. I was miserable. I had all these things, and I, and I was miserable. And I never really tried to stop drinking. I just wanted to control my drinking. Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to stop getting my tit in the ringer all the time, like you know. Like the ad says, drink responsibly. You know, I, I would sometimes have a drink or two and go home. And other times, when I've just intended to have a drink, I'm gone for three days. And it's like, I couldn't distinguish which, I, didn't, I never knew what was going to happen. And that was bewildering. But, but that wasn't enough to make me want to stop. What made me want to stop was, I was miserable. I was unhappy. I had all the apparent societal things that make you think you should be happy. Right. And I was miserable. And... Uh, when I came to AA and, and listened to what they were talking about, I began to perceive my experiences in a whole different light. I put them through a different filter. So I began to see my similarities between some of these drunks and their, their experiences. Remember, I, we all experience things through a filter. And my filter was such that I'm okay. I'm not the problem. Mm -hmm. Something else is the problem. I don't know what the hell it is, but it ain't me. Oh, we got an unknown caller from Coin Jock, North Carolina. I know. Hi, who is this? Hi, Trish. Give me a minute to put you online. This is Trish. Okay, let's try Trish. Oh, hold on a second. Did you put on speaker? Yeah, there we go. Okay, hi, Trish. Can you hear me? Okay. It was like one of my biggest things is that, you know, in, in the big book when it talks about the jaywalking, you know, 
I was that jaywalker. Like, I was constantly going out and jumping in front of things and getting hit. Like, it took finally that big hit that took me down. And when I come back to it, I realized that I had died. And I was like, wow, you know, like, I don't love myself enough to even give myself a fighting chance. So I left and I went to rehab, and, like, I was very grateful that I was able to meet very good people to help me guide my way through life and, you know, with the big book and finding God and when that miracle happened. Because if not, I wouldn't be here today and my kids wouldn't have their mom and I wouldn't work at a, re a recovery rehab and be able to pass my gifts on to others. Like, I'm so grateful for that. So, um, thank you for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. It's a joy awesome. to hear from you. Awesome. And, um, that, and that accent, Trish, is, is wonderful. That would get me sober. Listen no, to that was a great act. I want to hurry. Uh, that made me want how some it biscuits something. and chicken, man. So one of the things, you know, I'm, I'm, I love, I'm, I, I call it big book thumper. You know, I'm sort of a hardcore big book thumper. And I get these PWHDs, which I like to call problem-heavy hard drinkers, coming up to me <laughs> and saying things like, you know, Mike Chase, we understand that your passion for the big book and your passion for the steps and but you know one guy once said you know there's different ways to get a mule out of a ditch and other than the big book and I, I just thought that was kind of interesting wow. and, and one of the one of the things I hear the most is well wow, you know back a, when back that's when, a colloquialism if ever I heard one <laughs> uh, when Bill was getting one of the things I hear is when people say a lot that you know when they first got started everyone that Bill was were like these homeless, dry drunks who have, you know, they're willing to do anything. They were so desperate. They didn't have homes. They had nothing. But if we just look at the first two stories we talked about, we have Jim, who was, had, a, had a job in a house. We got uh, Fred, who has a job in a house. And, and Dr. Bob had a job in a house. And so the book is not for just the last gaspers. Right, and had it not been... For the Great Depression, had it not been for the stock market crash of '29, Bill would have still had a whole yeah. lot of. So, what I'm, I guess what we're trying to say is, what we're trying to do is, we're trying to up the bottom. It's we don't yeah. base your alcoholism on your consequences or your social standing. Base it on the two things: can you control when you start, and can you not pick up? Which is what we're sort of in tonight. So, you, why don't you know, we, Michael, you said something that that I wanted to comment on. You said there's more than one way to get a mule out of a ditch. Yeah, I'm still on that too. But uh, you, 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 you know, maybe there are. Maybe there's many ways to recover from alcoholism. I mean, AA says in the in the big book, you know, we have we surely we have no monopoly on recovery. Well, yeah, one that works though. But I tell you, well, I, I don't know. There may be others that work. This is the only one I know. Same, well, that's right. And, and so it's and believe the only me, thing you can experience. I looked for a long time for other ways to deal with my issues, and I was unsuccessful. But if you can find another way, God bless you. Go for it. That's what AA suggests. But if you can't, right? We should be if the that last fails. We're 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 here. You know, and 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 I got to say, I trust Carl Jung too. Yeah. You know, that cat was a little smarter than me. And uh, he said there's, you know, there, there may be a number of ways to get a mule out of a ditch, but there's no way to get an elephant out of a ditch, right? Yeah. And, and that's what he said. He says, I know a whole lot, and there's nothing I can do with this cat. The only chance he has is if he has some sort of divine intervention. So I'm sending him home to you. Good luck, Roland. You know, and, and, and I got to say, I have, in my experience, and you've been here a long time. How long? 30 what? How many? 31. 31. Okay, so we're almost brothers. Yeah. It's graduation time. I've not found 
a recovered alcoholic come up to me and say, you know what? I, 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 I'm excited about what you did, but I have another answer, and this is what happened for me. I've yet to have that happen. Maybe some hard drinkers, like you say, some crybaby hard drinkers, but never an alcoholic has approached me and said, I have a way that I'd like to share with you so that you can put it in your arsenal as well. Yeah. I got one, I got one weapon. So this guy with the mule had just graduated from <laughs> the, the big H up in Minnesota. And this is in a big book study where he brought that up. So that's the only reason I brought that up. But the whole idea was that, um, you know, the book is the solution. How old anybody. was this mammoth jamma to be talking about? Doesn't matter. Let's bitches. get back. Let's get back into the book. That's what we focused. Well, here's the other thing that, that, that call, a, make phone calls like this. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> he was like 26. Just got out of. Are any mules in the ditch over there? This had his, his weekend, How to Be a Therapist. Oh, AA, AA, as I said, doesn't, doesn't claim to have a monopoly on recovery, but it's, it's the only one we know. Yeah, and, right. we, and we've tried lots of different things, and this is the only thing that's worth And worked we're going to see that coming. And then it says, you know, if, if you want, if, well, if you have what we experience, if you're experiencing the same thing, try this. It also says something else, that you don't necessarily have to go all the way to the bottom right. of the bottom. Right. Okay, if you have some of these things, you might want to try this. I'll tell you what I've never seen. I've never seen somebody who, who really wasn't, or, or supposedly wasn't, a real alcoholic come into AA, work the program, and regret it. That's right. Well, I was going to add that. We're not at that part in the book yet, but the other side of that coin is our method of treatment offers us a, a vast amount more than just not drinking it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whereas not maybe not other treatments, that's all they could offer if they do exist. Well, Ours it, offer a whole... But it has to, it has to be life. that way because, because alcohol wasn't my problem. Alcohol was my Amen. symptom. Amen. And, and if you're going to cure my alcoholism, you better, un, you better cure the underlying problem that's causing the alcoholism. And that goes deep. And, yeah, that goes real deep, and it's creating unmanageability in all, all parts of my life. Not so, just not just drinking. We're singing to the choir right now. We're all on the same page with that. Let's talk to somebody who doesn't believe that. We're going to get into Fred because Fred does not believe that this is going to work for him, or this Fred doesn't even think this has got a chance. So thirty nine. The next question. <laughs> you know, is, there's a Fred listening at home right now that just pooped his pants because he thought you were calling him. No, because you said you're okay. preaching to the choir. So let's talk to Fred. So, what was Fred's perf- could you I can't hear me. Can you jack me up just a little bit again? Uh-oh. Thanks. What was Fred's possession profession? Okay, where Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. He's a bean counter. Uh, was he in good shape materially? B was his and how was his home life? Oh man, perfect. His income is good. He has a fine home, is happily married, and the father of Promising children of college age. <laughs> uh, what kind of personality did he have? Like Jim, everybody loves Fred. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. How was his business life? Well, if ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. Did he appear to be a really normal person, doing well in every area of his life? To all appearances, he is stable, well-balanced individual. Once again, now we're going to have the shoe drop. 
<laughs> he looks good. It's that what, we what was this? I love it. What was this spiritual one, versus physical? Right. Appearance. What was this one small problem? Yet, uh oh, there's that word. Yet, comma, he is alcoholic. So, in other words, <laughs> let's let's remind everybody. He has a disease. Let's remind everybody what the alcoholism looks like. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children and wives and parents. Anyone can increase the list. I thought he's this kind, wonderful, loving guy. Yeah. So where is the fuse? The fuse is lit and burning, right? Mm. Is it? Is it? How close is it to exploding his life, or has it already started? Yeah. Three-part question. What had? The AAs, for, when had the AAs, excuse me, when did the Oxford groupers yeah. first see Fred? Where did they meet him? Why did he say he was there? These God people. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. Had, this exp- had he had this experience before or how did he feel about it? No, it was his first experience of this kind. And he was much ashamed of it. He, could, he couldn't admit that he was an alcoholic. What, razz, what rationalization did he come up with? God, this, and I have this so highlighted and underlined. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. Self-diagnosis. I love that. Rationalization. What did the doctor try to impress on him? The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. After that, how were his spirits? For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. Probably confused. He didn't live (laughs) under a bridge. He had a job, and he was pretty good. What decision did he make? He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. Right, which always precedes the very next day he came home drunk. Did he have any doubt that he could manage that decision? It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so. In spite of, and this is great, in spite of his character and standing. Because I have something to say later. And the part two of that was, was it apparently, he was apparently successful in the other areas. Like, just like Bill, right? Successful right. in all areas of his life, except when it came to that. Uh, two-part question. What, what was it Fred would not do, and B, what would Fred not accept? Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. No Why? Step, no step one. No step one, because he already has a solution. His character and standing. That's all he needs. He already says it says right there, in, in spite of, it never occurred to him he could have this, in spite of, because of, and he never, has these defenses. His good character and his high standing means, right, I'm, I'm above those low-life alcoholic Those folk. losers in the meeting. Those losers, I cannot be an alcoholic, else I will lose my standing and character. So it's one or the other for Fred. So in essence, this guy didn't think he couldn't drink on his own, couldn't stop on his own. So he picks up a white chip. They, they, they herd him into a white chip, even though he doesn't really want one. And then he goes home and says, you know, I've never really tried to quit on my own. Maybe I'll just try it my way for a while. Right. And it doesn't work. Because, because I have more 
value as a human being in my character and standing than any of those losers at that meeting or those church guys well that came to the hospital that were losers to begin with. What did, what <coughs> did the Oxfords tell him? They, we told him, I like how it's we now, we told him what we knew about not him, but alcoholism. Three-part question. Did he express any interest to what did he concede, but he was a long way from what? He was interested and concerned that we had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. With the humiliation he had experienced and the knowledge the Oxfords had given him, what he was certain he could do. He was positive, and I might add that Ambrose Bierce defined being positive as being wrong at the top of your voice. He was positive (laughs) that this humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired from us, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Would self-knowledge fix him? Self-knowledge would fix it. I got this big caps lock knot after that. Yeah. If you're a real addict. No humility at all, I have read. So this paragraph's open for um, conversation. If you guys want to quick, we got, what time do we got? 820. 820, so we're going to go to 8.30 because it normally goes to 8.30. We're not going to do chips and stuff like that, so let's go another five or six minutes. I think Fred's full of bull. (laughs) (laughs) Or he doesn't know. Or he never knows. I don't think he's ever tried. I I can identify with Fred, okay? And and the the hint here is, to all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual. I was great at projecting stability and my act was together, but I was miserable inside. And, and if he says he has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone, if ever there was a successful businessman, it was Fred. To all appearance, he's a stable, well-balanced, yet he is an alcoholic. Okay, who the heck goes to the hospital with a case of jitters after one night of drinking? Mm. This guy had been on a tear. Okay? Right, months. Right. So, right. You so, don't end up in the hospital after... Yeah, church. <laughs> I think I think the reason why they include Fred's story is there's a lot of us out there that are in real heavy denial, and and his is a story of heavy denial. You know, thank you very much for the information. F you very much. I'm out of my way. Well, and he's interested to find out what he doesn't know. Yeah, right. Because then he has all that we have and all that he has. So he's. Very smart. More, yeah, more smarter. (laughs) Smart talking. Yeah, I I, I just think that this description of Fred is his delusion, not not the reality. I mean, have you you ever talked to somebody who who gives you this kind of a story and the whole time you're sitting there going, "Uh uh-huh, 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 this guy's out of his mind. Okay, but Bill, what when you were they, drinking, they knew they knew this guy needed their yeah, help. He, yeah, they could but, they could tell he was. But one but of them. he was so far away from step one, admitting that he needed help, which we can't help him if you don't want right. help. I right. can't get you sober. No, we had a thread. We couldn't really. Make I can't get you sober. If you want to get sober, I can help you based on my experience and my knowledge of this recovery program. But I can't get you. He so, wasn't willing to so, give so, up. So they're, so they're saying, okay, Fred, okay, so, okay, you're a wonderful guy. 
When you were Fred, yeah. before you got sober... I uh, was never Fred. <laughs> you were never Fred? I was never Fred as is depicted in the book. No, not in the hospital, but you were a Fred, you were a Fred type, right? Working well, in, a, in, a, in appearance. Right, yeah. in appearance, Fred. right, and, and an alcoholic, but you were miserable. But, but did you surround yourself by other people who were uh, high-functioning alcoholics so that uh, getting together for dinner and knocking out a bunch of uh, cocktails was no big thing among you and your other uh, uh, high-achieving friends? No, I, I, as I recall, and I'm thinking back now, I think I was the worst drinker in my group. Did you, so did you hang around a from yeah. that? Because yeah. I, I surrounded myself with every I, I Tom some, Waits I, guy I could find on the street, you know? I, I felt most comfortable with, with people who drank like me, but yeah. I, I surrounded myself with a lot of, you know, healthy, functioning people. Really? Yeah. What was... Do we think Fred's doing that, or do we think... Now, of course, we'll I think never Fred, know. I think Fred is confused, because... If one of the things Krusty Kripp likes to say, when you read the stuff, imagine what it was like back then. Right. So back in 1930s-ish, whenever this guy was right. written, what, was the, what did people see as alcoholics? Everybody was drinking because everybody drank back then. The alcoholic was the homeless, destitute sot on the street. He was just a fun-loving kind of guy who drank because he deserved it. Well, and all of a sudden, for once, he's having people say, like, but this is alcoholism. And he's like, whoa, no. So we've well, got to we've learn. just risen above bread lines. Right. National bread lines, right? And soup lines and all. Brother, have you got a dime, guys? Yeah. So he needed to be taught what alcoholism was a few times. He didn't get it right away. As bright as he was, he was, wasn't the smartest guy in the and, and prohibition wasn't that far in the past. Smart, smart has nothing to do with it. Smart has nothing to do with it. It has to do with denial. Okay, yeah. it's what yeah. you're willing to see, and what you're willing to believe. I mean, you know, um, my self concept was such as, like you were saying, Doc. You know, I don't want to be one of you guys. I came in through Al-Anon because I had people in my family and friends that that were that I thought were really bad drug addicts and alcoholics, and I and I went to <laughs> Al-Anon. And they got you sober? And I'm and I and I'm no, I wasn't sober. Uh, and and, uh, and and I'm in Al-Anon saying, boy, I'm glad I'm not like those guys, man. I'm glad I'm glad I'm I'm not like them. Delusions. Until I made the mistake of getting an Al-Anon sponsor who happened to be sober in AA for 12 years. Oh. And he he finally you know drugged me to an AA meeting. But uh, no, I, uh, I I I just I wouldn't allow myself whatever the facts were. I, I adjusted my perception of them to make me not an alcoholic, and still able right, to right, still sure. able to control. Sure, absolutely. So more will be revealed. I saw that last night, by the way. I, more, the I rode the bus for the few blocks in the area because okay. there's nobody on it and it's free, right? And, I, and there was a, there was a happily drunken couple on board that was so drunk that even with 18 feet of social distancing, I could smell the vodka coming off their breath. And I really wanted to say, could you put your mask on only for the reason that your breath stinks <laughs> so bad? But they were, first of all, they were dressed like it was, like they were going to a ski lodge. <laughs> and they were throwing their food at each other. Mostly he was throwing his food in her face. Going, you're right, and cursing at her, throwing pieces of a sandwich in her face uh, and her yelling back innocent, and forth. Innocent fun. It was, it was 
Don't be I, such I a stick in the mud, Doc. I started, I, I had to like tonight, put my it? hand over my face to keep from laughing because it was like she started bitching about how the bad the bus driver was driving. and that, But he was driving perfectly smooth. It was her that was falling all over the place. It was, it was beautifully clever. I should have just videoed you should have the video whole thing. Yeah, So we're going to start wrapping up. But they're my people, man. They're yeah. my people, and I, I couldn't video. I that. used to think I was so debonair riding the bus home, you know, <laughs> I bounce around like that too. So let's go to the closing guide, Bill. This is awesome having you sit up here with us. Thank yeah, three months good, of Bill. Bill. Thank you for letting me be here. Yeah, it's good. Uh, vision from you from the page one sixty four of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. God will constantly disclose more constantly. to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But you obviously cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. So it is the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for group members and other members of Alcoholics Anonymous to introduce their new sponsees by presenting them with a sponsorship medallion. We can't do that anymore, but if you have a new sponsee that you want to introduce... Introduce them to your herd. Introduce them to your friends. Shoot their pictures. Get them their phone numbers. You know, start calling these guys and these gals before they freak out and need to call us. You know, once that 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 phone has been broken and we can talk a little bit, so reach out to those folks. Don't Our wait for them to call us. Responsibility level has risen lately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if anybody's selling, celebrating a year or more of sobriety and would like to get a medallion, better yet, why don't you go work with a newcomer? And right, and if you need a a, a big book sponsor, then um, Zoom is for you. Uh, you just put out there looking for a sponsor. You can find people in the book all over the place. If you'd like to become a member of this group, uh, wait a few months and you'll be able to come and join us. You know, in person eventually. We're going to practice social distancing when that's available, and we'll slowly grow the group to people again. Uh, can all home group members give a quick little wave in the rooms? And we'd like to see you right after the meeting. Help us tear down the room. Nope, you guys stay where you're at. Thanks for joining. You can read that one. You have fun. You got a great voice. Oh, thank you for joining us here tonight. You can do some some self-promotion here. Hope to see you uh, not only next week, but Thursday evening is our Alcoholics and God Step Series workshop. But it won't be a step series. Uh, I'm lovingly doing the tradition. And by the way, it's... Not like, it's the most amazing presentation. It's a weird of the tra- you're going to yeah. have fun. You're going to get energized. You're not going to fall asleep. It's the I spiritual side it. of traditions. Yeah, yeah, so definitely that. The Zoom room opens up at 645, so you can all Zoom each other. Uh, the Zoom meeting starts at 715. Also, if you want to watch it at your leisure, the Facebook page, Alcoholics and God. Um, Dot org search for that ask to become a member it's a private group so we're only allowing alcoholics in that one that's that closed aspect of that uh, however this isn't a meeting in the normal ways uh, please wait till you're 75 feet away from the doors to take your masks off 
Wash your hands. Wash your hands. We should do a hand washing. Twenty then. seconds or more. So let's close and and uh, let's let's Sing close Mad with the Lord's World. prayer. Sing one verse of Mad World. I like that because it's a so let's Mad uh, World. <laughs> let's close with the Lord's prayer without the pause. Without the pause. Without the pause. God, <laughs> or our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Godspeed, everybody. Be safe, and go help a newcomer. is heavy, soul is thirsty, body's aching, I am desperately in need of restoration, yeah, and I am ready for you to take me can do is keep on praying cause on my own I just can't get it right it doesn't matter how hard I try but with you I become a much stronger man getting on my knees makes me back on my feet again load is heavy much accumulation These possessions that I have amount to nothing at all Let's do
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
just about to start. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. Nothing could come The fog is lifted See the light Count my blessings When I go to sleep at night And I dream now Yeah, I dream now And everything's alright <laughs> Oh, man Going on 10 years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Shine it out. 